This is G.I. Joeberg, episode number 35. I'm Steven. And I'm Paul. And together we make up the team of G.I. Joeberg, podcasting about G.I. Joe from Cape Town and Johannesburg, South Africa. We talk old, we talk new, we talk vintage, we talk convention. We talk anything movie-related and toy-related that happen to bear the branding G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Or Action Force, international heroes. Or The Call. They don't have a catchphrase. (laughs) We're cheap! I'm good, thank you. You look good, good. you look happy, you look content, you look like you're playing with uh, some new toys there. I am playing with some new toys. Outstanding. Describe for the listeners what exactly you have in your hands, sir. Oh shit. Uh, uh, I got both my hands on my toy now. Wait a minute! I managed to, by means of a flea market in Florida, and through a friend, get my hands on the Ninja Vamp. I call it the Ninja Vamp for fun, uh, because I don't know what it's really called, like the Ninja Assault 4x4 or something. Anyway, it's uh, it's the Vamp, one of the Vamp uh, retools from the movie line. And it's a lot of fun, actually. I had to strip some paint on it. The guy who previously owned it, he did a his custom paint job, and I think he was trying to make a stinger out of it, which is the logical step on this, I suppose. And, yeah, I couldn't handle that, so I just stripped all the paint off. And I've been having a lot of fun messing around with this little toy. Unfortunately, I don't have any of the bells and whistles because I bought it fairly clean. I think I got it for, like, $8 or something like that. So I don't have any of the machine guns or any of that stuff, but I've got a very nice... Uh, base to to play around with you and yeah wow listeners if you have not got one of these i really highly recommend you get one they are very cool uh this plus one's the original four by four vamp in that it's got a roof a set of doors and when it's complete it'll have a missile rack in the same vein as things like the snowcat and i'm pretty sure they use the exact same missile pod that they released for the I think they call it the Snow Wolf, the retooling of the Snowcat for the Pursuit of Cobra line. And Wolf that's cat, a very cool Snowhound, Snowhound Cat, like that. Snow Wolf, <laughs> Alley Dog. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and also Minor Sands a Winch here as well, uh, which doesn't, uh, it's not, I'm not missing it too much on this vehicle. But yeah, I recommend you go out and grab one. But one thing I just have to mention on the underside of the vehicle, if you are adventurous, dear listeners, Grab yourself a small Phillips screwdriver and remove two of the screws that are in the center carriage or the center portion, and that will allow you to actually remove the roof, which gives you no less than, I don't know, three combinations of different setups for this vehicle. You can have, obviously, the full setup, which is completely covered. Then you can have a setup where you remove the rear cover, so that's setup number two, and, and it looks kind of more like a like an army technical and it's very cool. It, it provides a few more play options, something in the same vein as the last vamp that was released just for doors. And then if you want to get really adventurous and you want to do something, I don't know, dreadnoughtish, you could pull off the entire top portion of it and have something that's very like sort of bare bones, Mad Max-esque. For my so benefit and for any listeners scratching their heads, what is an army technical? An army technical or a technical is a military slang term, well, actually... I suppose it's actually more of a technical term for when um, a vehicle has, when any vehicle uh, has been armed with uh, weapons. So if you took a standard for the Americans, you took a standard four-wheel drive truck, 
and a AA gun uh, or something was mounted on the back, um, instead of calling it a truck with a gun, it is easier to refer to it as a technical for purposes of you know clear communication amongst squads in operation. So when you sort of modify this to give it the army technical feel, you're kind of uh, making it quite low-tech by taking off some of the back parts and messing things around. You know, it's a common thing seen there in Fallujah and all that, uh, where guys have just got trucks and cars with machine guns on them and all kinds of mad things. Mm. I suppose a good reference uh, would be Black Hawk Down, for instance. Or the news. (laughs) Any images coming out of Libya or perhaps the Ukraine, you'll see 4x4s that have been modified, just having a 50 caliber machine gun bolted onto a mount on the flatbed. Yeah, exactly. This obviously stops any confusion when you're shouting, shoot at the truck. <laughs> you know, um, you know, like, and your guys are kind of like, which truck, sir? <laughs> you know, so yeah, there's that. Um, I got nothing interesting. I just got something boring, but something that will uh, kind of launch me into a new sphere that I'm quite excited about. I got a compressor and an airbrush. And it's kind of been spurred on by my good buddy, Paul, who is a vehicle customizer, a model kit painter extraordinaire, and artiste, general all-round artistic dude. I've seen him modify two G.I. Joe vehicles of mine. The one, a Desert Fox, which I wanted in a more G.I. Joe olive drab, which he modified quite spectacularly with his airbrush to make it... I blush, man. Oh, sorry, baby. <laughs> you did a good job. Uh, it now has a similar hue to the original Dragonfly, except with added bits of detail here and there, like weathering and scuffs and scratches, a little bit of rusting. It's a bloody detailed job, and I, I hope to one day be able to approximate that kind of work. I have a fun school Cobra Imp which uh, will be my maiden project. Uh, those of you familiar with Fun School know that they don't necessarily use a low grade of plastic all the time, but will often jazz the colors up a little bit. So disco, disco. <laughs> a maroon would become a bright neon orange, and a deep yellow would become a neon highlighter pen yellow. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sitting with this fugly looking imp really wanting to get it to its Hasbro glory having that beautiful moray maroon Rune. so moray. it will be it will be airbrushed uh, accordingly I just need to steel myself gird my loins to be brave enough to actually do it and just a note for some of you would be customizers out there it doesn't hurt to go into a local Toys R Us you will find Plenty of like model kits, especially under a hundred rand, okay, under ten dollars, and they're just there. They're like F14 Tomcats and stuff, made by I think it's Academy. These are great kits if you want to sit and bolt, but they're cheap enough for you to buy one and test your airbrushing skills on. If you want something to just you know kind of work out the kinks, if you've never had an airbrush before or you want to test a, an effect, that's a good way to go about it. I know a lot of guys get impulsive when they when they do a, a custom project and they they kind of just you know shoot from the hip. That gets you results uh, two times out of ten. <laughs> um, so just a, a nice handy hint for, for those of you. Airbrushing, it's actually fairly simple, 
but it is a technique and it does require a little bit of practice. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So don't get um, discouraged. It's not a difficult tool to use. It's just an expensive tool. Mm, cool. Tell uh, me about it. Though I'm glad I scratched the itch because it has been itching for a while. And while it isn't the cheapest uh, appliance to be buying or tool to be buying, I imagine this bad boy will last me for my airbrushing career. Uh, I don't intend on using it that much, but... It's done. It's an investment, and I have no regrets. I'm a very happy, proud airbrush owner. It saw its first use uh, acting as a dusting tool to dust off my USS flag, which I've currently reassembled. Expect, within the next month or so, a full YouTube review of the USS flag. And hopefully that will signal a massive surge of hits, because... We've been reviewing rather oddball choices up until now, but USS Flag is kind of the thing that everyone wants to see, and yeah. uh, it needs to be done. Of course, it has been very difficult to, to have the opportunity to do so, because you need enough time, you need enough space, and you need even more time to then shoot the damn thing, edit it all together. I'm sufficiently currently fun employed enough to put a USS flag review into the universe. So, and, uh, watch yeah, the and space. The usual, and expect the usual G.I. Joburg charm in those reviews. And, and I'm, of course, referring to fun little Easter eggs and nuances. Don't give the game away, Paul. <laughs> I'm just telling them to expect cool shit, so now we have to deliver. Oh, shit. <laughs> Another cool thing, many listeners uh, of our long-time listeners, that's the three of you that are still with us, uh, will know that I like Tiger Force, and I have recently acquired a Tiger Fly. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I now have the helicopter of the Tiger Force, and it is also my first real experience with the Dragonfly's mold, and i got to say, this is one sick little puppy. I love this toy. Love it. It is beautiful, and... Oh, and it's bankingly sexy Tiger Force colors growing very close to my heart. I have to say, I love this toy. And that was courtesy of Steve. And uh, i got to say thank you again, dude, because this thing has been ass. And it also comes with the uh, identity crisis-laden recondo of the European Tiger Force line, and uh, as he is called, Wild Bill, and not recondo, <laughs> on the file card. Uh, yeah, old Rigondo is Tiger Force thing as William S. Hardy for the release. But hey, it's cool because I really dig Rigondo and I think any excuse to make Rigondo a Tiger Force figure is welcomed by me. Because damn right, he's awesome. And such a cool gun for the original 80, what was he in? 85? 80, yeah, 84. 85 Rigondo. Hey? 84. 1984. Yeah, he doesn't have uh, the, the neck tilt feature. No, he doesn't. But I've got to say, I like that. Uh, 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 yeah, it's weird. It's like, uh, I kind of like that his neck can only turn left and right. Uh, Paul, would uh, that be uh, your first pre-1985 action figure? I think it is, actually. Wow. Yeah. I mean, technically, Tiger Force Recondo is a 1988 figure, but, you know, come on. The mold is 1984. It's 84. Here, I 84. was born, okay. Yeah, Stephen was born, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. My one was made in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, probably. Let me just check its ass. No, no, it hasn't got it printed on its bum. That's weird. Anyway, he is cool. And if you guys haven't got one, do it. 
do it now because it's it's sexy. And yeah, that's that's me for new toys. I I don't know if I mentioned the buzz ball in my previous in previous episode at all. My, you did, but uh, it hadn't arrived yet. In hand, yes. what's your opinion of the buzz ball? Uh, it's very cool. I can see why. There's something to be said about the cheaper line of GI Joe figures or GI Joe vehicles, um, especially from what is Buzz Balls in '86, I think. '87. '87. Uh, I'm always a year off. Like I was saying, there's something to be said about the cheaper GI Joe vehicles, and especially like sort of as they get, as they sort of stray further and further from '84. They don't tend to lose their quality, uh, which is cool, and that's something I wanted to note here. The Buzz Ball is actually a very solid toy. It's got a very it doesn't feel cheap. That's something that's that's kind of prominent in the G.I. Joe line, is that a lot of the stuff doesn't feel cheap in the 80s. So as you sort of start getting closer to the 90s and some of the cheaper vehicles start feeling a little bit cheaper. Um, some bad points about the Buzzball, and I can see why this figure was possibly discontinued very shortly after its release. It doesn't seem to accommodate many toys. It's got a very, very small cockpit canopy, if you want to call it that, it doesn't seem to accommodate any characters that have really got hats or any kind of uh, giant molded heads. Um, I haven't tested everybody out. My Heat Viper even has a little bit of trouble sitting in this bad boy. But, hey, that's really cool. I, I really like the video game, as we've mentioned tons of times on this show. And it's great to have one of the vehicles that you get to drive. And I'm looking forward to getting a Pogo next after this. still want a Pogo. Um, the and then a Captain Gridiron to rock that shit out. Damn right, dude. I mean, Captain Gridiron, uh, and I blame this on Steve, has really grown on me as a toy. No, <laughs> dude, blame, blame it on Taxan. It's really just coming down to the you video game. You guys did a great job. Um, you yeah, really made well, up a lot of toys that we like. He was the character that you on. wanted to be. He was the kind of the guy with the best, I think, punch stats. And he had a yeah. devastating, like, football-spraying cannon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what more could you ask for in your video game protagonist other than a football-spraying cannon? Yeah, exactly. And not, also, just another thing, to, uh, just coming back to this buzzball, it's really cool that the inside of the buzzball, you'll see that inside, it's actually got some internal detail. Obviously, the, the mold is, is pressed in such a way that the external detail is mirrored inside, but... Then it's got some internal detail that is uh, like little pipes and like a little like sort of, I don't know, like some divots and things like that that are that are specifically designed as details. And that's great. That's great quality to see in a vehicle, considering that it's, you know, it, it's a portion of the thing that you're not going to see often because it's closed and you've got a toy in there and, you know, you're doing a thing. And that's something that I feel that's sort of like lessened as the line has gotten older. Um, and, yeah, I suppose... You know, like a Barracuda would benef- wouldn't benefit at all from having internal detail. So that's probably why they skipped it. But it is cool that the Buzzball has it. <laughs> and it's a fun toy. The rolling mechanism um, from somebody who's never had one and, you know, only imagined what it could work like. The wheels are cool, but they don't work on every single surface. And they're not, I don't know, maybe, maybe when it was fresh in the box, maybe these worked much better. But they're not that great now. They don't seem to turn a lot or turn that well, and you can forget it on tiles. They're not going to move on any hard or flat, properly flat surface. They really they work well on blankets. If you're pushing this thing on your bed, you're going to get some cool kind of play feature. But other than that, yeah, smooth surface is not going to do those wheels any good. I'm once again just going to jump in with DIY stuff. In lieu of getting this uh, compressor and airbrush. 
wanted to remove substandard paint jobs that I did on vehicles, particularly enamel paints that I had brushed on and acrylic paints that I had sprayed on. The ultimate solution, which is non-hazardous to the plastic, is to buy Mr. Muscle oven cleaner, spray a thick layer of that white foamy stuff all over the vehicle, pop it in a Ziploc bag, take it out an hour later, scrub it with a toothbrush and some warm water, and then repeat the process if there's still areas that, that haven't, uh, haven't been stripped of paint yet. It's amazing. I did this to a tiger sting, and it lifted the green gunky paint that I had put on it uh, clean off, leaving the underlying paint design on perfectly. So it's now a very crisp, minty-looking tiger sting. And I have fallen in love with this vehicle all over again. I mean, initially I hated it. It was bloody Tiger Force garbage, yellow vamps. I mean, why why would anyone have a yellow vamp? Uh, so I painted it green so it would fit in with the rest of my vamps. But, yeah, it's it's amazing how tastes change with the years. I have you to blame for this, I think, Paul. Um, <laughs> So you've seen the Tiger Light. I want, yeah, I want my Tiger Force to be a Tiger Force and not just fit in with the rest of the GI Joe motor pool. Um, if I can just jump in there, Steve, just to uh, confirm, that was for enamel paint, right? That was for enamel paint, but then okay, cool. I had a spray can of acrylic that I'd used on the Imp, and that oh, yeah? was removed quite spectacularly. The same method. So, awesome. oven cleaner, Mr. Muscle, it's remarkable. And it's uh, it's 95% non-caustic, but it will dry your hands out quite a bit. So, if you've got gloves, use them. But if you don't, you'll just have quite a, an oily film on your hands. You'll yeah. be able to feel it. So, you'll want to scrub your hands quite sufficiently with soap. In fact, you want to scrub the vehicle or whatever the subject was quite a bit with soap as well to just remove that oiliness or remove the the chemicals that still adhere to the plastic surface it's not going to melt the plastic but you know you you want to free yourself of all the (laughs) the residue alternatively uh this works really well on painted vintage shows uh i've used a slightly different product to what steve used i used a mr muscle all-purpose cleaner for windows and shiny surfaces. And then I've also used a window lean, which is a product used for cleaning windows. And um, a similar technique to what he mentioned, although I just use an ice cream tub and I just put a little bit of mistle missile in there and then drop the figures in there and just let them soak in there for a bit. And then uh, because the figures tend to be a bit more niggly than some of the vehicles, you want to use like an old toothbrush just to get those little bits of paint out. This kind of method is fairly foolproof. Um, it does have one or two drawbacks. For starters, if the figure was originally sprayed with a paint that was thinner, you might experience a bit of discoloration on the original toy uh, because the thinner obviously lives in the paint, and it, as it takes time to evaporate, uh, it still will discolor the underlying plastic. And this will not work on primer as well. So for those of you guys who have primed your vehicles before spraying them, this will work really well to take the paint, but it will not remove the primer. So just something to bear in mind. Good to know. I mean, uh, yeah, these these paint jobs that I removed uh, were rather amateurish, uh, done by a slightly younger Steve, and they were just paint directly onto the plastic. No priming, no airbrushing with uh, paint and thinners mixture. 
was just like done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. And 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 in a way, that sort of amateur approach uh, or just starting off approach was actually a benefit in the long run. So. Amen. Nice I got to undo my clunky mistake. <laughs> Nothing like a control Z in life. <laughs> Well, it's been a fun general discussion up till now, but how about we delve into a quick fire topic? Topic, 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 topic. Which is pretty much Sorry. all we have on offer for episode 35. Uh, I just felt in the mood to podcast, and Paul's always in the mood to talk about G.I. Joe, so here we are. We are following on from a quick fire topic in episode 34, where we were tasked with uh, determining. Which of the three years, 1984, 1985, and 1986, was our favorite? And rank those years in order of preference. We're going to follow that trend on tonight with the years 1987, 1988, and 1989. Oh, Lord. You know, just drop us right in the deep end, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Paul hasn't even had an opportunity to think about this topic. Me, however, it's been plaguing me for some time, and I've, I think I've formulated a, a ranking system for, for me personally, but I don't want to influence my buddy just yet. This is 86 to 88, right? 87 to 89. 87 to 89. Okay, that's about to say, because we covered 86 already last I checked. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This is going to be insane. So, um, gut response before you flip through your Bellamo guide. Because, uh, you know, I'm so good with the years. Uh, gut response is probably 88 immediately. Uh, my book has magically fallen on 88 now. Uh, it's kind of the middle of the book, which hmm. is why mine is tearing apart from that section. 88 has all my loose pages. Okay. 88 is a sexy year. Uh, uh, I yeah, I think 88. Wow, um, we're gonna get into this like crazy. But yeah, my first gut reaction, 88. I've just re- as I'm like thinking about it now, I'm going, oh yeah, that's from 88, and that's from 88, and yeah, that's definitely 88. And I think as far as GI Joe goes, I'm very much an 88 child. Uh, so you're you're thinking primarily about vehicles right now. I'm gonna in, in, in my mind, I, in my mind, yeah, it's vehicles because uh, I have trouble pinpointing a lot of the actual Joes in those years. So 88 is cannot... Blizzard, Hit and Run, Hardball, uh, Spearhead and Max, Storm Shadow version two. Oh yes, yeah, Repeater, Shockwave. Those are the Joes, mm. and on the Cobra side of the fence, you've got guys like the Toxo Viper, the Astro Viper. The Iron Grenadiers debut in '88. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Hydro Vipers in '88, child. Oh wow! And I'm just going through my book now, and I'm checking out '87, and I'm like, oh wow, there's a lot of stuff in '87 that I really love too. Well, '87's a no-brainer in terms of its high point. Uh, yeah. Defiant launch complex is hard to beat as a toy from that particular year, and as a toy for the entire GI Joe collection. It's yeah, but, kind of in a league of its own. But I mean, like, shit my balls, sorry, but wow, uh, 87 as a whole, vehicle-wise, oh my word. <laughs> like, if you only got vehicles from 87, you are pretty sorted, unless you got just the Battle Force 2000, in which case, sorry. <laughs> mm, I'm afraid the Battle Force 2000 kind of blight that year for me. 
I'm going to mm. give away the game slightly in that regard. I'm not a fan of any of the vehicles. This is a commonly held opinion. Uh, yeah. No points for being an unpopular opinion on that score. Yeah, okay, there, are, there are some stinkers in 87 that kind of set themselves off against the real winners. And the real winners, obviously, are the two big items. Uh, I already mentioned the Defiant Launch Complex, but a very underrated and very fun and functional vehicle is the sewing yeah. box. Yes, the MCC, who you are. Very cool. <laughs> okay, um, I've worked out a criteria for me to base my, my order of preferences on here. Outstanding. Just, uh, I watched it happen in real time. He did. He was watching me. I looked very uh, perplexed. It Paul doing fantastic. a mad scramble. Okay, um, so based on this criteria, and I'm not going to uh, reveal what that is now, I'm going to first base my years of um, the, the sort of my years in terms of favorites. I'm going to start with, okay, 88 is my favorite year out of these three right now. The next year would be 89. Oh, wow. And, yeah. An upset. An upset, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into why now. And then uh, 87 coming in third, but please understand when I say coming in third, I'm not saying that I don't like 87, because I do. And this is really tough. Steve has really put me on the, on the spot here. But uh, <laughs> They're a very but, tight uh, cluster of years. They uh, are. And, they yeah. each have, have winning characteristics of their own. Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't play 89 off against 87 based on large vehicles, because... They don't exist in 89, exactly. kind of. I mean, they, they repressed the Defiant shuttle, um, and that's a big vehicle, but like pales in comparison to having the entire launch complex. But 89's just got fantastic retread characters. You've got hmm. Stalker back in there. You've got Snake Eyes back in there. Yeah. You've got something like the Hiss 2, which is such a good update. Yeah, it's an absolutely fabulous vehicle, and just like it's like a reboot of a of a classic, and that is so much more appealing to me than like a new piece like the Maggot. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have eighty nine uh, listed as my my like second favorite for a reason, and I'm and I'm gonna go into it now, and I'm gonna start with uh, from number three and and work my way up. Uh, if that's cool. Yeah. Uh, eighty seven. Okay. Right. 87. So it'll be 87, 89, 88 in that order. Okay, my criteria for basing my favorite years or the criteria that I used is more a case of, hey, if I got this entire line and I never got any other G.I. Joes ever, would I be happy and, and would it fulfill all my needs as a, as a Joe fan or should I say as a kid? So uh, 87 has got some fantastic uh, toys in the line. I mean, okay, characters-wise... Uh, 87 was very close to the movie, so I mean, we've got a falcon around here. We've got some, some oddball characters. I mean, we've got Fast Draw, we've got Gung Ho in, in Dress Blues, uh, Crazy Legs, which is a fan favorite, Backstop, which is a uh, driver, yay. Who likes uh, Crazy Legs? A lot of people like Crazy Legs. When they, when they released Crazy Legs for the um, Pursuit of Cobra, uh, the internet was, was buzzing with it. They were, everybody was like, Really excited. I don't know. Because they I wanted to. They wanted to complete their their modern era update of their vintage collection. It was oh, just a completionist cool. thing. But vintage Crazy Legs as a character yeah. and as a figure, I don't think it blew anyone's hair back. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think anyone 
use Crazy Legs as their favorite figure. Mm. I mean, unless well, unless you had like three Joes. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, I mean, like other really like standout characters here. Um, also, once again, movie characters, Law and Order and Jinx. Um, and then one of the coolest characters in the entire G.I. Joe line, Outback, is in this uh, year. Um, we got Psych Out, we got Sneak Peek, we got Payload. Oh, you know, for those of you, the Bellamo Guide, another great, great character to have in this line, uh, the t- a Tunnel Rat. And for a lot of you international listeners, especially those of you in America, you guys got the Steel Brigade, and you guys got to really have the benefit of the Steel Brigade in 87. So, you know, that that's pretty cool. Um, but once again, yeah, you know, I w- I'm talking about why I would love this. And these are really, really cool characters. There are some guys here that I don't give too much uh, of a, like a hoot for hard top, like I don't care for much, and Rumbler I don't care for. Well, that's uh, good because I saw a hard top going for like two thousand rand with his microphone oh. and his gun, but oh, still well, two grand be. for a figure. Eesh. Battle Force two thousand. Okay, uh, these guys. Uh, well, we got Avalanche here. Uh, he's not terrible. I uh, he. They do stick out as a bit of a weird sore thumb in the line. Um, Why? Why? What's? What did they do wrong? Like, can we can we put our finger on it? I think it's just because they um, they they stray very far from the kind of military aesthetic, um, almost almost too quickly. But it's not the figures I have too much of a problem with. It's more the vehicles. Oh, we got some good. I mean, Dodger I don't care much for, but he's not a bad toy. Uh, Red Dog is cool. Uh, Mercer is a personal fave. He's great. I mean, there's a reason that I have this as my, my third favorite, even though there's some very, very cool toys. And I'm not going to go into everything here. I mean, there's Big Boa. There's Battle Armor Cobra Commander, which for some guys, uh, that's a score. Uh, Raptor, that would have been fun as a kid, maybe. Uh, Gyro Viper, we've mentioned in past episodes. I think the Gyro Viper is very cool as a pilot. Carrying on the techno uh, techno viper, but yeah, here we go. This is probably the one reason why 87 is the third on my list. Coastal fucking defender. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that vehicle. <laughs> hey buddy, the battle barge is coming up. No, I know, I That's know. That's your is. favorite year. Yeah, I know, right? I know, but I hate the coastal defender a little bit more. Um, and and this is why it's really hard because because this could have been my second favorite year purely because of the mamba. And the wolf, because those are so sexy. And because I don't have a defined launch complex, but that just throws this year up in, like, as we mentioned earlier, just throws this as a, a big thing. I mean, if you're a kid and you just got this year and everything in this year, the Coastal Defender be damned. You're going to have a Defiant, and you're going to have a Mamba, and you're going to have an MCC. This is a good year. But, but. it's... But can I, it's not can I jump in with a point that will support mm-hmm. your ranking here? Mm-hmm. The Defiant, I mean, if if you're going by looking at the years in isolation and saying, if I only had the toys from that year, then the Defiant falls flat as a unicorn. It doesn't yeah. have anything to shoot at. <laughs> it's, it's bristling with guns, but once you launch that sucker into space, Cobra doesn't have any kind of response. Yeah, 87 is infamous for giving the Joes something that there was no Cobra equivalent to. Mm. Given that 1986 was such a perfect balancing of forces, 
Mm. You had a Cobra boat. You had a Joe boat. You had a Cobra jet. You had a Joe jet. You had a Cobra land vehicle. You had a Joe land vehicle. Mm. There was a, almost a perfect symmetry, except Joe got a transport helicopter and Cobra got a base. But that aside, 1986 is a perfect example of Joe and Cobra forces being matched. Like, mm. perfect encapsulation of two opposing armed forces. Exactly. But in 1987, Cobra, just has gap fillers. They yeah. get an artillery piece for the first time. Yeah. Uh, apart from the, the ass. Yeah, yeah, a self-propelled gun for the first time in their line. They've got a competent snow vehicle for the first time yeah. in their line. They've got yeah. a competent full-scale attack helicopter for the first time in their line. So this is like answering questions that were posed years prior, and only mm. now we're getting Cobra's responses. But then Joe gets an MCC and a Defiant and an entire new team of vehicles and vehicle specialists with no Cobra response. So, yeah, it's it's very unbalanced. It's a hugely unbalanced year. It's also a funny year in that um, 87 has uh, quite an eclectic uh, selection of characters. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, like we mentioned before, the Tunnel Rat and, you know, we have... Uh, you know, Chuckles uh, and Falcon, these are great characters. Once again, Outback and Jinx. But for the most part, we have a very odd collection of characters. I mean, this is a, it's an odd year in that, you know, you get guys like Big Bowie, Crocmaster, Crystal Ball, and Raptor. Um, and <laughs> Crystal Ball and Raptor are considered some of the sort of uh, Zeppos of the line. They're kind of uh, oddballs. Uh, you know, you get the Cobra Law guys, which were cool, but as toys, they're great, except for the Royal God. Um, you get like, oddball stuff. And then you know, the Dreadnought vehicles, and uh, we all mention this uh, as shows go on, I'm sure. But as far as Dreadnought vehicles go, these kind of stretch or, or go too far from what the Dreadnoughts had established for things like the Thunder Machine. You know, this Dreadnought cycle is it's just it's a, it's a bit of a, a smudge on this year. And so is the air skiff. Even though it's well made, it's just, it's not cool. It doesn't fit the aesthetic of, of something like the Thunder Machine. Another great addition to this line is the motorized action packs, which um, Steve has, uh, has recently had a, um, a close encounter with now, with the, uh, ro- I think, it's, is it the Rope Walker? Which one do you The Cobra you Rope Crosser is the one that I've got. Rope Crosser. Yeah, and... You know, that ended up being a lot cooler than originally, you know, thought out. And I'm sure if you're given some love, a lot of these would be pretty cool and fun to play with. So those are nice. Uh, as mentioned earlier, the Battle Force 2000 is a bit of a slight on this line, but not as much as things like the Road Toad and the Coastal Defender. Even the Slam is kind of redeemed uh, in this line in comparison to things like the Road Toad. Sea Ray is another great addition here. Once again, like Stephen saying, it's a Cobra filler in a lot of ways, giving Cobra another sort of aquatic vehicle that it needed. Well, it's, it's the response to the shark. Yeah. Mm, it's like um, Cobra's that, playing catch-up in 1987. And that's the reason it's, it's here at number three. There's, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff, but there's a lot of cooler stuff in the other years. So let's shoot forward to 89, which is year number two for me. And we're going forward in time now. Okay, 89, I think, for a lot of South Africans, uh, Steve and myself included, was kind of the really the, the year that we were introduced to. I mean, when we kind of came into G.I. Joe, or when we were pulling G.I. Joe's off pegs, 
a lot of them came from this year. If I was a kid and I only got 1989 figures, well, this is why I would be doing backflips. Uh, Backblast and Countdown. Awesome toys. Okay, I loved Backblast as a kid. He was great. I loved that the knife sheathed in, in his um, arm little pouch. Countdown speaks for itself. He is just a fantastic toy. It was a great thing to have. I, I know a lot of people in my generation, and Steve also, Steve picked up a Countdown. He had Countdown. I had Countdown. Friends had Countdown. Everybody had Countdown. So, cool. Deep Paul, six, are uh, you going to do a rundown of every figure in the order no, no. that they are listed in Mark Bellamo's book? Because, listen, no, no, if I'm you're following along, things. he's making it real easy for you. I think you skipped out a, DJ, if that's the case. <laughs> no, I'm... I'm wow, DJ. if ever there was a DJ who came too late to the party, it was DJ. DJ. Yeah, no, I mean, he he's two years out of date, and he's representing for the Battle Force 2000 in the worst possible way. <laughs> the real <laughs> swan dead? song what? to a dead concept. <laughs> totally. I mean, I'm just, I'm just um, cherry-picking some of my favorites from this line. Deep Six, which is a, a toy I had very, very early experiences with. Uh, I think Deep Six and Sci-Fi were my two sort of Joes uh, as a kid for a while. Rob was a big fan of Scoop. Uh, Rock and Roll is a great standout character here. Stalker with his boat. I'm looking at pretty much most of the toys I owned as a kid, and I'm like, wow, this is this is taking me back, and you know, the whole nostalgia thing's kicking in here. But then I have this big gap that I have no experience with whatsoever, and that's Night Force and the Slotus Marauders. We didn't get any of this stuff um, here. And maybe I have a little bit of resentment for this line because I never had a classic Addy Viper and I believe that it really was on the pegs here in South Africa and I just never had him. Okay. So that's why this is in the second place because I really wanted, uh, and, and I'm kidding here, folks. I really wanted an Addy Viper. I never got an Addy Viper from this line. It was very depressing. I look at this line and I think of all the cool shit that I missed out as a kid. So I get like upset but excited with the fact that we have eBay. But this is a line that's got a lot of great toys. It's got a lot of the Cobra oddballs, the Heat Vipers, the Night Vipers, the Alley Viper. This should be number one, but this is the problem with it. Uh, this line also introduced great toys like the Battlefield Robot Radar Rat, <laughs> uh, Cobra Battlefield Robot Devastator, and yes, I am quoting directly from Mark Bellamo's book, and something I'm so glad I never had, the Battlefield Robot Hovercraft. And the Battlefield Robot Tribe Blaster. What the shit is this? These are crap. This is exactly what I was saying in the beginning of the show. The Buzzball is a good example of a really good quality, cheap uh, toy from G.I. Joe, whereas the Devastator, this Hovercraft thing, the Tribe Blaster and the Radar Rat are really good examples of the crap. Introduction to cheaper approaches to getting cheaper toys out. It was just cheap, 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 like a, like a bird. Cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> uh, and then some standout affairs. The Cobra Condor is sexy as hell. The Fang 2, sexy as hell. Uh, Steve mentioned the history, sexy as hell. I'm not even going to mention this, um, the, the Crusader because it doesn't need to be mentioned. Oh, look, the Pulverizer. Another reason to like get upset with this line. For a lot of you listeners, a lot of you guys don't like Darklands of Vader. I like Darklands of Vader. It's just fine for me. But then again, Night Force. You see, I have no connection to Night Force. And Night Force is repaints. And repaints... I love Tiger Force, and uh, I suppose this is going to invalidate an argument I'm going to make later. But in general, when you have a repaint and then you make it an exclusive, you make it completely unobtainable for Joe fans here in South Africa. And then on top of that, you make it even harder for us to get it now because it's become so rare. 
And we will never, uh, and I'm speaking for myself personally here, I don't think I'm going to care much for Night Force as a modern collector either. This stuff is way overpriced, and I can actually get all of the fun from the original vehicles at a much better price. We get the Patrol once again, a, a repaint, but it's great because it gives us the Asp again, which is cool. Yeah, this line is great, but it really is second best to me. There, there's a lot of really cool stuff here in terms of the characters and the toys, and that's what makes it above 87 for me. It, it puts it above 87 in terms of the roster of toys and characters that I'll get from the line, but it's not my number one because it doesn't quite have all of the vehicles I would love to have. But vehicles it does have in the form of the Condor and the His 2 and the Fang 2, those are personal favorites of mine, and I like the Razorback, despite what Steve said. And the Razor is pretty What cool do I say? Well. <laughs> he says it's superfluous and that it's hollow and it has no soul. <laughs> but the thing that puts this in second place is it's got the Tiger Sting and that is one sexy repaint. And that's something, like I said, I'm going against an argument I've made earlier, but Tiger Force is a cool way to do a repaint. It is a cool way, not just because of a personal bias, but because it wasn't unobtainable. It was very obtainable. Um, and I'm, I'm now hearing that we could have gotten Tiger Force stuff here in South Africa. I just obviously didn't see them. Yeah, apparently there are one or two Tiger Force vehicles here in South Africa. Oh, um, there was a glut of Tiger Force. Paul, my very first vehicle was a Tiger Paul. Really? My very <laughs> second vehicle was a Tiger Sting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you see, that's, that's the thing, and I missed out on that, but... But My very third vehicle was a pulverizer. <laughs> yeah. So things took yeah. a bit of a dive, but then they picked right up again with my very fourth vehicle, which was a Cobra Wolf. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, uh, you know, in some ways, things like the Mamba and stuff like that should have pushed 87 up into second spot because of how much I love the Mamba. But objectively, uh, and once again coming from the criteria, if all of these toys were dumped on me, 89 does come second place because I would have Snake Eyes. I'd have my Condor and, and I have a fairly balanced selection of toys here. Even the cheap stuff is fairly fun to a degree, I suppose. I mean, you've got a radar rat. You've got something for, for Cobra to shoot at. You know what I mean? And you've got a lot of stuff for G.I. Joe to just blow up superfluously like the Devastator and the Hovercraft. You've got Norgahide. I mean, come on. Norgahide's bad. Norgahide. 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 <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I wish I could turn back the, the hands of time. and just, just to have a little word with my younger self. Because I, as a child, sneered at Norgahide. I passed that figure up. I got that figure, not for me, but to give to a friend as a birthday present. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I, how I did not like Norgahide. That I wanted, to, you know. <laughs> yeah, you have the crap figure that I don't want. <laughs> Happy birthday! I, but you know, if that if that kid was me, and it wasn't, ladies and gentlemen, but if that kid was me, I would have been over the moon because the first time I experienced Norgahide as a toy was um, my friend's collection who came here from Hong Kong, and I'd never seen a, this character on the shelves, or at least you know I was not, never consciously aware of this toy, and he is so badass. I mean, when you when you look at him, yeah, sure, he looks like a weird poacher type, but I don't know, when you get into the nitty-gritty, he's a cool toy. As far as vintage action figures are concerned, he came with a glut of accessories, and, yeah. and they all were good. They were all top-notch yeah. sculpts, which is something that was hit or missed by this, this stage of the Joe line. Like, oh, totally. guns were starting to get oversized, uh, accessories were, like, you know, for every... 
Frag Viper backpack and uh, Sesta sort of arrangement on the one hand, you'd get an Annihilator heli pack on the other hand. Like there was a disconnect between really cool, interesting accessories, accessories that were just like uh, rehash. It's a heli pack. Uh, we got one in the motorized action pack the year before. Like we got another one in the motorized action pack the year before that. Like <laughs> bogus. So Norgahide came with you know a fantastically sculpted rifle, a quiver, a bow, a bipod, a sword, a machete which machete. clipped onto his wrist. Which so, is so cool. I don't know how ergonomic <laughs> that is. You best not be a uh, you know. Relieving yourself in the bush with that thing attached. Yeah, because you'll relieve yourself forever. <laughs> <laughs> and that knife that goes in his ankle sheath. You know, in what? What a cool or, toy. Well, shin sheath. <laughs> yeah. Of course, uh, you can't get past the fact that he comes with a bore. <laughs> Would you get to shoot a few in the in the Taxan video game? <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> so I mean, I don't think that was the intention. That that he's the the boar trainer. He's a hunter. Yeah. Okay, he, he's out there to shoot the boar, not yeah. teach the boar to attack GI Joe. <laughs> I'm sure at some point as a kid, I gave him some kind of psychic connection to his boar. Oh dear, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, dude. Did you do, did you do the same for Hydra Viper and his manta ray? I didn't. I didn't know the Hydra Viper even existed. Oh, but I'm shame. something similar to the Barracuda and uh, and uh, undertow. Oh, undertow. Fuck, that's a cool toy. Sorry, just uh, hearkening back. Yeah. But don't worry, friend. We'll consider 1990, 1991, and 1992 eventually. Woo! But yeah, I think I've said as much as I can, a little bit confusingly, so I do apologize for that. But with regards to 1989, it is a really good year to have, but it's still second best to my number one year, which is 1988. And why does Paul love this? Well, obviously, we know what my criteria is by now, so I'm not going to re- reiterate, but I'm just going to go... Tiger really Force, quick. Tiger Force, Tiger Force. Thank you. Tiger Force, Tiger Force, Tiger Force. And, <laughs> and hit and run. Okay? And you know what, Steve? is gonna, He's, he's going he's to kick me out of G.I. Joburg when I say this. I had Lightfoot as a kid, and I thought Lightfoot was groovy, okay? <laughs> I thought that... I was perplexed by this toy. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with this thing, but I really like a lot of the weird moving shit. And he's got grenades on his chest, and he's got a funky helmet, and that was just awesome for me. Uh, he, he, Budo, did, he, he did two things wrong. Like, he is a stab into the future of ordnance disposal. Bomb disposal. Yes, bomb disposal. He's done two things that I cannot forgive. Firstly, he should be padded like Surefire. He should have a bomb suit. It is possible to sculpt him like that, but they didn't. Secondly, he has a drone, but it has no manipulating arm. It's just a flat lenticular and... Uh, it's uh, like a portable computer. Like yeah, it, does, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, any kind of plausible, functional sense. It's basically just a thing that you pre-program on a route that you want to uh, you know, basically just test the waters. It's bloody yeah. canary in the mineshaft. It's like, yeah. hmm, let's see if this field is mined. Oh, let's send the little red dwarf across the field. Oh, well, we lost another oh, one. Oh, okay. canary found a mine. Mine, mine. Yeah. <laughs> Order us another red monotrack angular lenticular thing. 
it's yeah, it it, it could have been so much better handled. Because he's mm. got other gear that makes sense, like a sensing backpack that hooks up to his his like metal detecting sensor array thing, the helmet, which no doubt has variety of modes to to check for chemical, radiological, biological traces. But yeah, that drone just sucks ass, and Lightfoot is unfortunately very under armored for his task. But I mean, that's Lightfoot. Fuck him anyway. It's not even that important. I liked him. And he, he, he's a Joe I had, so he, oh, he's in my consciousness. Just to, like, pull out a few, like, one of the best vehicle drivers ever. One of the coolest vehicle drivers ever. I wouldn't say, like, the best, but, you skid know, the mark. cartoon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Skidmark's cool. <laughs> Skidmark, Skidmark's really cool uh, for a completely different purpose. And Steve has, has repurposed him in the best way as a flight coordinator. I think that's what they call flight co- uh, landing coordinator or um, runway coordinator. Paddle jockey. He's a yeah. he's a great paddle jockey on the flag. Right this way. So that figures us a little bit late to the party, but uh, he's not cool. Uh, some guys really like this toy. I've I've heard people go on about how Skidmark is one of their favorite Joes, and I'm also like, okay, well that's interesting. Some people's favorite Joes Voltar. So whatever. Friends, it's a good sculpt. <laughs> it's a good sculpt, except for one aspect. It's orange. This, no, the sculpt. I'm talking about the sculpt. Oh, oh, the sculpt. He's got a fantastic sculpt. Nice texturing on his jersey. Nice uh, texturing on his armored uh, vest, I guess. You know, he's he's loaded with gear. He's got a knife. He's got a gun. Uh, the helmet is nice. It's a fantastic sculpt. The colors are unfortunately what mar the figure. But the one element of the sculpt that baffles me is that yeah. he seems to have a 12-gauge on his left thigh. Oh, wow. He's, he's quite better. But he's willing it's... to put skid marks on other people's pants. <laughs> but the 12-gauge has been shrunk to about a third or a quarter of its size. Oh, wow. So, so it's got, like, like pirate guns. It's like the size of a flintlock. Yeah, like exactly. It's it's the size of like a, a sawn-off shotgun, but mm. the mold looks like a 12-gauge with a full stock and a barrel. I mean, it's just... Mm, ugh. Why? Why did you do that? Yeah. No, it is a bit... But coming back into into this whole... Long, I mean, Super Trooper, I don't care about. I mean, when he has his helmet on, he looks like a fucking Cylon. <laughs> Sorry, but like he does. Like It's weird that I would love 88 so much because it does, in a weird way, have a kind of an average assortment of, of characters in a lot of ways. I mean, a wild card is by no ways and means a great character to have uh same as super trooper spearhead and max is getting a bit of attention now all of a sudden because he's being re-released as a collector's club exclusive um steven has waxed on about a bit about skidmark but he's not these are not like these outstanding characters um outstanding characters in this line would be like shockwave for example and uh as mentioned earlier blizzard and then the whole the whole tiger force once again some night force stuff that is fairly untouchable to us but some cool Nightfall stuff in the form of Outback and Tunnel Rat, which uh, if I did ever buy any Nightfall stuff, I'd most likely go for Nightfall's Tunnel Rat because he's cool. He's a very cool-looking toy. And, you know, that would be cool to have, you know. But we get Tiger Force. And listeners, you know I love Tiger Force, but this is one of the benefits to having Tiger Force. If you haven't had a Duke up until now, you get a Duke. If you haven't had a Flint up until now, you get a Flint. And same uh, goes for Roadblock. These are three really great characters to have in G.I. Joe. Uh, they've got great personalities in the cartoon. A lot of people like them. I like them. 
And this would be a great way if I could only get one line. Here I'm getting three uh, core characters, you know, that are that are very important to the line with some very cool supporting characters in the form of Dusty and Rakondo. Rakondo is awesome. Um, and for those of you that were listening earlier, in Europe, Rakondo was uh, has suffers from a bit of a misnomer as the Tigerfly driver, and he is known as Wild Bill. I don't know if that is the same thing for the American guys, but you know that's what we got in the European release. Lifeline, oh, you know, this time Lifeline comes with a gun, so he can go force now, so he's more badass. I don't know. What Lifeline do always it, comes but... with a gun, bro, unless you get him yeah. in the Kellogg's mail away. Uh, in which case, he just comes with the cereal, and. Uh, yeah, uh, Sky Striker, you know, he was the vehicle driver for the, I think he's the actual vehicle driver. Oh, we don't need a rundown of each individual of figure, man. Stuff. But here's the cool shit. Sorry, no, I'm just, but here's the really, 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 really cool shit for this line. Iron Grenadiers. Okay. Astro Viper. Such, such cool toys. And now the reason why 88 is awesome. The Cobra Bug. <laughs> it took you long <laughs> enough, bro. Let me tell you. I'm sorry, I had to build up to it. Uh, I had to get people like, oh my god, this guy's carrying on. And then, <laughs> yes, he's mentioned the Cobra Bug. And the Cobra Bug is badass. This Cobra Bug is one of the things that makes this line outstanding in so many ways. It is such a cool toy. It brought me so much joy as a kid. It's, it's definitely elevated this whole year up in my mind. Um, another cool toy in this, and oh, I'm going to mention it now. It's not the coolest one, but one of them is the Mean Dog. I really love the Mean Dog. I own one now. I've had a lot of fun with my mean dog. Uh, Steve's had a lot of fun with my mean dog. Steve got himself a mean dog. <laughs> and it's, just, it's, it's so cool. I had some of these motorized vehicle packs as a kid. I had the super pack. I had the gyrocopter. I had the, the, th- the three-wheeler. And I had the rocket sled. And I had the rocket sled again now, thanks to Steve. Uh, they were cool toys. I really got a lot of fun with that scuba pack in the bath. That was cool. Phantom X-19. Probably one of the best reasons to just get 1988 figures to to have all the 88 dumped on you and and have a phantom amongst that that crate of of toys. This is this blows my mind. I love. Oh wow, Phantom's cool. Rolling Thunder is cool. How many kids wanted a Rolling Thunder when they were kids? I mean, this is it's a big monster of a. Uh, what do we call it, Steve? A tank. <laughs> it a, is. A, it is the logical yeah. end to the GI Joe Cobra War. Mm. It is G.I. Joe saying, fuck this, we're just going to ICBM Cobra. Yeah. We, built, we built two warheads sufficient enough to take out their base in Springfield and their base on Cobra Island. And that's that's the end. The end for that's Cobra. End. Goodbye. Yeah, Goodbye. No, it's, a, exactly. it's a weapon to which there is no Cobra answer. And I'm not and counting the detonator tank. That is dead yeah. to me. Well, exactly. And then just to, to come back to Tiger Force, we get the Tiger Cat, Tiger Fly. These are two of the pinnacles in Tiger Force. The Tiger Rat. These are great. These are totally worth owning. If, if you've never had these vehicles before and, and you didn't even know they existed, these coming into your life are amazing. Tiger Paws, tons of fun. The Shark is fun. And then, aside from the bug, the other really close to my heart vehicle is the Warthog. I cannot tell you guys how much fun I've had with the Warthog as a kid. It's one of my best memories as a kid, getting this toy. This thing blew my mind. I mean, it, it really is just a, an amphibious APC and olive drab with two big orange missiles, but it could float on water and 
dude, I just rocked this thing. I mean, we made this thing into a base. We we buried it in sand. We turned it into an HQ. We had so much fun. And it is very difficult uh, with all of the other really amazing vehicles in the other two lines that we've mentioned. None of those vehicles quite touched my heart like the Warthog. And I think that's got a lot to do with nostalgia and personal attachments. And that is why 88 is my number one year because it's got the freaking Warthog. I love it. I love it so much. And and then, you know, the place goes to the bug, which I loved a lot as a kid. I mean, coming home to that thing as a birthday present, that just blew my mind. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is I think 88 is my favorite years out of this three-year quick-fire topic on G.I. Joe Book today. Whew, not so quick-fire topic, he says, I'm while sorry. glancing at his watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. But no, no, it's, I'm, it's a pretty comprehensive rundown of your criteria there, Paul. Uh, I, I thank you for for making me and the listeners privy to it. <laughs> sure, dude. And I, and I tried my best to approach exactly what it is that, and why I like these lines instead of just being random and, and crazy like I usually am. Mm. So I hope, I hope our listeners feel it. <laughs> well... I'm going to keep it short and sweet, hopefully, and give you a rundown of my top three. So, Paul, you have ranked them in order from least favorite to most favorite, 1987, 1989, and your top spot, 1988. Which, in many respects, was our year of G.I. Joe. Mm -hmm. You speak about a personal connection, primarily for the bug and the warthog. Well, maybe... It says something about the kind of distribution that we had in South Africa, but I also owned a bug and a warthog, and very early on in my collecting days as well. The most special memories one can have with G.I. Joe is the vehicles that you had when you were at that magical age, when you were still a child, you know, I suppose between the ages of 7 and 12. Those vehicles mm. and those toys were your G.I. Joe. If you started out in 1982, perhaps 83 or 85's line were when things just galvanized. The characters resonated, the vehicles were cool, they saw a lot of action, they were your primary protagonists. So for me, 88, man, all the way. And I'll tell you why. It's not necessarily the vehicles, but 1988 has Shockwave and Hit mm. and Run. And those are my guys. In fact, I mourn the loss of my original hit and run. He was so good at camouflaging himself that he just disappeared. Sure, that you couldn't find him. <laughs> he just ghosted his way out of my collection. Shockwave stuck around a little bit longer. He's a little bit more conspicuously clad. And he just became the cool guy. He became my numero uno protagonist character. And he always would have the edge over... You know, a, a, a figure that I always classed in the same league, uh, that being Snake Eyes. But Shockwave, mm. while being a man of few words, <laughs> was still capable of speech. It was yeah. difficult to have a protagonist who couldn't speak, for me personally. Because anyone who listens to this podcast knows <laughs> that I like to speak quite a bit. So yeah. for my protagonist, for my voice to be silenced, to be mute... It was something that I could never invest in. So Shockwave was my man of action. Uh, and he did everything. He was the sort of urban combat specialist, but he'd also find him at home in a jungle environment or around an HQ 
or an infiltration mission. He was a ninja when he needed to be. He was a pilot when he needed to be. Shockwave was just my ultimate G.I. Joe. Uh, and this is because we started collecting at a time where there was no Duke available. There was no Flint mm-hmm. available. Our connection to the cartoon was tenuous at best. So we shaped G.I. Joe around the figures that we were seeing. And Shockwave, yeah, he was just my guy. Exactly. Uh, Vehicle-wise, there's nothing much I can say other than uh, agreeing quite solidly with Paul about the Warthog and the Bug being being personal faves, but also saying that as an adult collector, 1988 is conspicuous for being the only year that I own absolutely every G.I. Joe piece of equipment from. I have an X-19, I have a Skystorm, I have a Rolling Thunder, a Swamp Masher, Warthog, an RPV, uh, the Mean Dog, the Desert Fox 6 wheel drive, which is an unsung gem of the line. Let me just tell you right now. Oh, definitely. So I have all of G.I. Joe's motorpool from this line. I'm not counting the Tiger Force stuff or any of the retread stuff, Night Force, Tiger Force. Yeah. Any of that stuff is falling out of my consideration. So that is why 1988 is my favorite year under consideration. Uh, just purely based on nostalgia points. I don't even need to go into the quality of the toys because 88 just was plagued by a few issues. I have a few design element issues with particularly the Rolling Thunder and the Mean Dog, but they're all fun vehicles that make for a cohesive fighting unit. You've got your center of defense being the Rolling Thunder, your scout vehicle being the the Desert Fox six-wheel drive, your troop transport being the Warthog, your full assault vehicle slash artillery piece, the Mean Dog, and the most exquisite G.I. Joe jet I think that was ever produced. I don't know. Maybe I'm blaspheming, but the X-19 is just gorgeous. (laughs) Mm. Uh, We both own one. We both love it. It's, It's hard to knock. In fact, it's... It's almost impossible to, to determine which of the premier G.I. Joe and Cobra jets is the best. But uh, I don't know. I have a strong suspicion that the X-19 might be my favorite. Might just, yeah, just I, take I'm top honors. I, I got to agree with you there. There's a lot going for it. But we can save that for another podcast. <laughs> if we haven't already delved in into it already in uh, yeah, episode or enough, 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, there's always – I mean – G.I. Joe is such a fertile toy topic to discuss. And it uh, stands to reason why we've managed to make 35 episodes of a almost defunct toy line now. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) I'm going to rank 1987 above 1989. Partly because 87 has the mystique of characters and vehicles that we did not have much contact with. We got all of the Battle Force 2000 on local pegs, and we got a few Falcons, but that was pretty much it. And 1989, while I do have such a strong personal connection to, because this was another year that I was around and able to collect, it has the multicolored flavor of the Viper like explosion. And Mm. I don't feel like it was necessitated. Like, I turn my nose up at it now. They're made for attractive toys back then, but mm-hmm. it's 
it makes your Cobra army a bit of an eyesore. In 88, they still had the good grace of like, okay, we've got a hazardous trooper, so let's put him in purple, which kind of harkens back to uh, the Techno Viper, and also within the same series, Hydra Viper, who is he's almost a biohazard himself because he's been mutated. Uh, mm. So these are kind of like, this is a signifier of a special Viper core that are not to be mixed in with regular troops. Like these guys yeah, like are... don't share your food with like, them. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah. you want to keep these guys one side. Um, the Astro Viper brings out classic Cobra colors, like the mm. reds and the blacks. 89 introduces a color palette that I can't really agree with. Heat Viper's orange color, and oh god, Alley Viper's coloring. While <laughs> he's such a fan favorite, it's, it's an eyesore now. I think yeah. uh, if a decision had been made way back when to stay true to Cobra's established color palette, it would have stood the test of time better than toys that looked fabulously eye-catching back in the day. But, uh, you know, looking back, they perhaps were the more questionable choices of the line. So 87 beats 89 probably because of the, the big-ticket item. I think that... Having Defiant would have expanded my play horizons into the stratosphere, <laughs> you know, beyond outer space. Uh, it's such a, a fun play pattern, and it's kind of the only vehicle that really fully explores that. Uh, yeah. And obviously kind of is able to trump the Crusader shuttle. The Crusader shuttle didn't have a strong enough appeal on its own. I kind of turned my nose up at it. I was like, I saw it. It's massive. It would have cost a bomb, probably. And, you know, I passed that up for the Warthog. I wanted a more realistic uh, G.I. Joe vehicle, which seemed to be a holistic play pattern. But Mm. if you have the launch complex, that is a holistic play pattern in a box. (laughs) You don't need any ancillary vehicles to play that out. It's, yeah. It is all you need to have, you know, a cosmic adventure. Exactly, and even without the sort of space side to it, you can also have it as a base or a some kind of command structure as well. Mm, um, I hesitate to give it that because it is so solely built around launching a space vehicle. Which the space vehicle, once it's in space, that's a base. That that yeah. I would I would freely use as a base. I think leaving it on the launch pad and, and, and playing it out as a base, probably as a, as a child, I would have stretched my imagination that far. Mm-hmm. But when it's staring you in the face that this is a spaceship, <laughs> I think you'd be remiss to not play it out as such and just blast oh, no, up in space and have those adventures. Uh, it's something that I tried to do with you know, run-of-the-mill figures. It's like any figure that had a helmet that completely covered his head was a space Joe. So it was something that I forced onto my other figures. And God knows I gobbled up the Star Brigade as soon as they came out. Much maligned figures that they are. I still enjoyed them too. Had a big soft spot for them. But in terms of figures, 87 has enough standout goodness to cover up for the stinkers. I would rather have a squad comprising of Falcon, Tunnel Rat, and Outback than a squad consisting of Stalker version 2, 
Snake Eyes, and Rock and Roll. Oh, wow, that's interesting. They're just superior figures. It really just comes down to that. They just edge them out. In terms of attention to detail, attention to sculpting. Mm. Take Falcon, for instance. He's got so much (laughs) sculpting happening there. He's got just as much sculpting happening there as uh, Snake Eyes or Rock and Roll, for instance. But whereas Rock and Roll has about four or five paint apps, I think Falcon's got something like nine or ten. I was waiting for this. <laughs> Similarly with uh, with Tunnel Rat, the sculpt is not necessarily any better than Stalker or Snake Eyes, but the color use to bring out that sculpt and the variation of colors and the little like unit marking on his sleeve just make him... A standout figure. The guys you just mentioned now, Falcon, Tunnel Rat, Artback, these guys are very like very army, like very traditional army. They're closer to the real roots of what G.I. Joe could be. I'm not saying that Snake Eyes is not. I'm just saying that Snake Eyes is a little bit bizarre. I know Stalker is very army, but the whole thing is when you have that boat, and I, I, I don't know if you had this as a kid, but as a kid, I was very like focused on him being in this canoe the whole time. <laughs> I wasn't thinking of him coming out of it so much. And Rock and Roll, you also kind of like yeah, he's cool, but he's got these massive guns with him all the time. And it does, yeah, it, it's part of his coolness, but it also takes away his functionality in a way. And also, yes, by, I agree with what you're saying. By comparison, 89's, just these guys as an example, 89's kind of very plainly colored compared to those dudes, to, to 87's guys. Uh, they're very, they're, I don't know how to explain it, they're just very dull in a way. Like rock and roll is very tan and olive, but very dull. There was a scaling back of variation of color. Yes. Like uh, and you, yeah. you didn't you, you didn't, didn't have a that. different a different color just to pick out uh, the grenade that's on top of the pouches that he has strapped across his chest. Yeah. So, so the grenade that. is painted green, the same green as the pouches. And I mean, I think Snake Eyes gets his first real color app in '89 anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, or more of it, should I say. Uh, I, I, I don't know if Silver... It gives him a nice pop, but yeah. I think those highlights would have been better off as like a gunmetal gray. gray. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, we're talking hindsight now, you know, like, looking back and everything. And um, for, yeah. for all of Scoop's sort of tech that he's carrying to be yeah. just left black, it's kind of lazy. Like, if you flashed back... By two years, back to '87, you yeah. know, in 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 the league of like Tunnel Rats and Law and Falcon, those binoculars would be a different shade to the camera on his chest. Maybe the lens of the camera would have a different paint app to pick that out. Yeah, things like that. So you could see the line starting to scale back in 1989, hmm. and that is why even on on a figure standpoint, and you know, '87's got some far out characters. They were just well presented, well sculpted, and the paint applications served the sculpt as opposed to just like, oh, we're just gonna make that blob of stuff on the guy's chest one color, <laughs> mm. and that and leave no, it I, that. No, I hear what you're saying, and I fully agree with what you're saying as well. I know, right? I know. But How be- do I do yeah. it? How do I just like, you know, put my finger on the pulse of JoJo collecting so well? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, it's been real. Uh, this has been our longest quick-fire debate ever. But just 
to summarize for you dear listeners who've bared with us through this entire upheaval and discussion, my years from least favorite to most favorite are as follows. From least favorite, 1989, The Middle Child, 1987, and my most favorite, for no other reason than superb G.I. Joe vehicles and <laughs> hit and run and shockwave, is 1988. All right, thank you. Good night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you and I are actually really in, in, in agreement on this it, it's actually I think it's I think it's a few times in the show that you and I are sort of like on the on the same track like you and I both like the same thing for pretty much the same reasons we both like 88 and it has a lot to do with the bug and the warthog we had a shared childhood in that regard even though you and I never met as children maybe you listeners out there have similar stories with G.I. Joe fans from across the country tell us your stories yeah, please do. We would love to hear it, guys. Um, you know, as much as we love hearing the sound of our own voice and Steve, uh, we do actually want to hear your voice. So please. Drop us a comment on our Facebook page. Every episode has with it a little announcement saying, Hey, guys, episode 35 has just been uploaded. So uh, if you do have any comments for us, that'd be the place to drop them. Find us on Facebook as G.I. Joburg. Add us, like us, be our friends. Yeah, and your Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paul from G.I. Joe Book and Steve from Snaketown. <laughs> Saying, keep your union on you. Keep Jones in for new stuff. Support cool Kickstarters. Yeah, Paul. Put your money where your mouth is, boy. I didn't have any money where my mouth was. <laughs> so support Kickstarters that are cool if you have money. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. just be cool. And be cool and don't smite my tiger rat before I have. Not you, the internet. And that's a wrap on episode 35 of G.I. Joburg. <laughs> good night, good night! <laughs>